Joe presents Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby, together with Guinness. Um, Brian, good to see you today. Um, Rory Best is in the building as well. Have you, did you come across him? No, I haven't. I heard he was here all right. Yeah. So he's here with um, Spec Savers. Doing Spec so Savers, he, yeah. It's clearly not working. I haven't seen him. <laughs> would you see him like that? Like, would you be you know that well in touch with Rory? You send him a text or anything like that yeah, before you head off? Or? Yeah, I, I like I will in advance of him going out. And mm. yeah, we're like we've a good relationship. When I see one another, I suppose I wouldn't have always been great pals with him but we have a, a good relationship and he's a good fun guy and we've we've had some great times together so um he's someone i always enjoy bumping into so i suppose the whole thing i wanted to kind of chat to you today is, is about the captaincy and, and what rory is facing over there and what all the other captains are facing over there you kind of spoke even in your book as well about how much of like the pressure is on you and you have to do all these media duties as well like is there anything you can kind of do to kind of get away from all that type of stuff or kind of dole it out to other teammates as well or yeah, I, listen, it, captaincy is is definitely delegation as well, and it's um, it's having the strength of a of a good quality senior player um, committee as well. I think um, all good leaders will say that it's it's far from just them mm. uh, and all successful leaders. So I think you have to be willing to share the workload and for other teammates to understand that that's nece- necessary as well. Even when I wasn't captain after. You know, nine years with Ireland, I still would have been a voice. I still would have been a sounding board. I still would have um, understood the need to take pressure off the captain rather than just being the one focal point. For me, when Keith Wood was captain, there was so much focus and onus put on him that I understood that you you need to be able to take a little bit of that pressure off. And and I certainly appreciated it with with senior players when when they did it on on my behalf. Regarding you know all. All that's asked of you, your media commitments. You know, sometimes it's a bit of an estuary evil. You don't mm-hmm. have to love it, but it's important um, to you know to turn up and to provide um, sound bites and to um, to speak you know as as truthfully as you can as captain. Mm. To remember too that you're speaking on behalf of the team, not speaking on behalf of yourself. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of from from you that stood out for me. When, you know, from being on the the beach anyway, going going away on tours as. Uh, the 2011 World Cup when we beat Australia and the attitude maybe in that room at the time and maybe even from other kind of, uh, maybe not the Irish journalists but the other kind of foreign media would have been, Jesus, aren't you delighted here? This is your biggest ever World Cup win. But I thought you played it really well at the time. You were kind of just saying, listen, this is nothing. You know, like for us, we have to go on and this isn't, we didn't come here to get one result. Like, uh, you know, for you, you have to kind of, as captain, maybe set the agenda sometimes and set expectations. Yeah, you do. I, I think... Players, um, young and old, will always look to senior players or to captains to see how they're behaving and how they're reacting to um, wins or losses. And whenever you win, you have to you know, temper expectation. When you lose, sometimes it's never as bad as it seems. Mm. So you, part of your role as captain is making sure that whatever language and whatever you're saying in the media, you can be sure that your teammates and opposition are reading it to not give any reason for your teammates to um, lose the run of themselves or give any ammunition to future uh, opponents. So it's all, it's all a little bit of a game of chess. Mm. Um, yeah, you, you, um, you might think one thing but have to say something different because it's the right thing to say on yeah. behalf of your team or that there's a message to deliver you know, publicly um, to the masses that might be slightly different in-house. So it's all part of... Um, Part of being part, uh, um, involved in a, in a squad and um, and trying to 
not give them, give someone a, a stick to beat you with. Yeah, that's I remember exactly from even the week before that. Um, I'd been staying with a Kiwi friends that I knew, and the guy I was staying with gave us. A, he said, "Listen, when the Australia games come up, read the Aussie papers, and you'll find they'll be because the Aussies would be kind of like typically brash. Mm. You'll find something there to kind of ask the players." So I think it was. Ireland would be looking forward to this game as much as a trip to the dentist, was said one of the columnists, and I think I remember saying that to Stephen Ferris, and then it's kind of a little bit of colour to give them, and I think Stevie then kind of gave a big reaction, like, oh, we'll see about that now, like, and <laughs> so it's, it's that kind of thing, and there was another time I think Radiki sat, I think Sam, he was there, their back row, the lad who played rugby league, mm. um, he had kind of said, he just honestly admitted he didn't know that many of the Irish players, I think, and, but then that was a big thing, like, who's Sean O'Brien? don't really know of him mate and then that was a big thing and at the end of the game I think one of the lads said well listen do you know who Sean O'Brien is like so as you said like if you make one false step it can come back and kick you in the ass can't it it can yeah and listen that's we're well used to that you know down in um in the southern hemisphere in particular you know down years of experience of you know playing New Zealand and, and in the press conference when Irish journalists ask an individual about players you know um, calling them by the wrong you know, yeah. first name mm. or, or not understanding or not knowing the strength and depth. But that's, um, I don't think you, you necessarily use that as motivation, but it's, it's an understanding that um, they almost focus on themselves so much more than they do the opposition. And mm. maybe there's a message to be had in that as well, rather than focus on, on how you stop someone is about how, rather than focusing on how they're gonna stop you. And I think that's a real mentality switch and something that the Southern Hemispheres and the Kiwis in particular are, um, are, are strong on. So um, yeah, listen, when you, when you manage to get it right and you know, they, they end up with mud in their faces when you know, yeah. they've, they've, they do learn to see, that was the announcement of Sean O'Brien onto the international stage that yeah. World Cup. So uh, he's done okay since. Yeah. <laughs> The other one I remember, it was, it was a year later, it was back in New Zealand and um, again, I think uh, sometimes I'd sent that guy out from the, the Crowd Goes Wild, remember that show that used to come out and they'd ask kind of comedy questions mm. as well, but mm. um, I think you were asked about was Westlife or Boyzone your favourite or something like that as well and mm. you diplomatically handled that as well, but uh, there was a great one for me at the time, it was like, uh, we're going to beat New Zealand's hopefully before it's our kids or our kids' kids do mm. it and we're going to beat them before the world implodes, so I always remember that stood out as well, like, but um, I suppose for you then to kind of never got there, got so close a few times, but to be there over in Chicago in 2016, that must have been pretty special as well then. Yeah, it was. I, I think a lot of foresight considering where the world is going now, it feels like it's going to implode any minute. Yeah. But, um, so I'm glad we did get those victories <laughs> under our belt. <laughs> we didn't wait 10 or 15 more years for it. But yeah, it was great to be there. Obviously, I would have loved to have been part of that team. We, yeah, we, we, we let our opportunity go in 2013, there's no doubt. I was, um, but yet to be there, it was important from a credibility point of view that finally Ireland did it. And, and thankfully we didn't wait too long to do it a second time. So you only get respect from nations by beating them. That's, mm. the, only, that's the only reason that you know, the Kiwis uh, respect Australia and, and South Africa is because they beat them, um, maybe not regularly, but you know, often enough, whereas they never properly fully respected us because we couldn't get it done against them. And I think hopefully that will change now. It'll take another few victories for that tide mm. to properly swing, but um, maybe we'll get a chance in a few weeks time to, to have crack three at it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Trimby was speaking there recently about, um, 
I think it was a, a game or a charity game, we're making a comeback, somebody said making a comeback, and he would say, you will not believe how much I've fallen off a cliff fitness-wise, or I just couldn't go back to it. Was it a, did you feel something within the space of like six months or a year that there's no way back? You know, like, it, is it amazing to see what level you're at to where you went in the space for a year? Like, you're still I don't in think, pretty good shape, so does Trimby as well, but. Yeah, I don't think it's even a year, I think, within, you know, by the time you get to the end of pre-season, you watch the games, you think, wow, how, how did I play that? Yeah it, yeah, it looks like a world apart. And also, that's probably because you're, you know, if you have to, now I was 35 when I retired, mm. so I was on the wane the last couple of years at least. So you're not at the peak of your powers when you're watching this. Mm. Um, but it's, it is scary to see how quickly the game evolves, even right after you retire and the, you know, the, the evolution of the course of the last five years has been extreme and the, and the quality of the athlete and the shape that the players are in and the engines that they have. Um, yeah, you kind of look and you go, God, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad and relieved <laughs> that I don't have to get to those levels. But then you throw yourself into that environment as a 25-year-old, you yeah. know, reel back the years a little bit, and you know, you'd be up to speed pretty quickly. So it's, it's a state of mind, really. And when did you kind of, um, was there a mindset switch for you like at one stage? And near the end of your career, you're almost like an extra loose forward. Like when did you start making that decision yourself? Like I can help the team better here by dipping into rooks here and kind of making hits. And I think when I lost my wheels, you know, when, when you, when you um, lose the art of pace, uh, you have to modify your game. And I think you become more of a facilitator um, rather than a strike player yourself. And that's a natural progression in, in any outside back, I think. Um, you know, particularly into your, you know, your early to, to mid thirties. Uh, so, what aspects of your game can you um, accelerate or improve on that doesn't necessitate, you know, as much fast twitch? Mm. And that's just getting your head in and reading the game a little bit better and and identifying, you know, which situations or which scenarios to have a nibble at and when to leave it alone. I think that. The greatest exponent of that is probably George Smith of yes, yeah. not covering a GPS point of view. He certainly wouldn't cover anything like the yardage or distance of, of most players, but yet he still got his turnovers, but he realized when there was nothing for him in a fight where he wasn't going to waste energy mm. on, on losing a ball. So he just stayed away and bided, bided his time. And I think you tend to do that as a 30 something year old, you, you just get a little bit smarter and a little bit of energy conservation for when your efforts do come their way that you make the most of them. And, and for you, is there a period when you kind of look back on of, you know, so many, so few guys will say it's like, we actually feel like you were perfect or everything went well, but like a purple patch period for you where you just felt the confidence of the world was in you every time you stepped out onto the pitch? Yeah, I, I think there's maybe a, a couple of those times in your career. Um, it it's, tends to be with how this team is going. It's not just an individual thing. That comes from the confidence of winning games and being in the mix for trophies. Um, so you know, probably happened just just in my late twenties, early you know, early thirties, where Ireland had success, Leinster had success, and I personally felt as though I obviously was a contributor to that, but I also um, lived off the confidence and and the and the momentum of those teams. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, you look back at different individual performances and feeling very good, all the way back to France in 2000, where I felt great that day. Yeah. I remember it very well. I remember feeling fast and that I could cause problems. Um, I guess you didn't, you know, expect to win the game or score three tries uh, and you win for the first time in 30 years. But 
but those moments you look back and go, you know, there's a reason I played well because I felt great. Yeah. And um, and that might happen to you feeling that good four or five times of, of your career. It's just a matter of can you pack those games together for really important mm. matches. There's no point in doing it in the Pro 14 against Zebra. You know, save them for England. <laughs> yeah. Um, you speak about that actually, like the, that game. It's, it's when you mention a game, memories would come back to myself. Or, but is that the, the thing where people have come up to you now, even since, or when you were a player as well, and say, I remember that game because I did this at that time? And is that what makes it kind of looking back at it even more special, where people will tell you these amazing memories they had in their life, like the day we got married, this happened? Yeah, and yeah, yeah I have some of those. I, I, you know, I have a good friend of mine who got married the day of the semi-final against Munster in 09 yeah. and had to kind of postpone you know the, the meal uh, and the meal because no one was going to be sitting down <laughs> with a game of that magnitude um, so I always remember you know his anniversary I don't remember specifically the date but it's it's obviously uh, late late April um, and um, and I always think about that game and, and tie it in with mm. you know with, with Revelers um, um, weddings so um, yeah I, I think there's there are those moments where people say I was in such such I was in the Gabba or I was in you know Stade de France yeah. or in Cardiff so yeah people tend not to say I was in the Aviva when uh, you lost to New Zealand in the last <laughs> play of the game yeah, yeah not that many people come up and say that one you know yeah, yeah. so yeah it is as people have you have good memories from great moments not mm. from big disappointments there's one actually that, well there's two I remember one was um, I don't know how much you'd remember of it. it was, I was at a wedding as well, and it was when Paul O'Connell's knee clashed with your head when you were playing England as well. And 2010, yeah. Yeah, and everybody went in for the meal, and I stayed out. So I'm still I'm married to this woman now. She allowed me to kind of stay out, and I came back in and told everybody what the score was. And But, yeah, the other one, was uh, it was the South Africa game where you put in one of the big hits, and it was in the kind of fog in 2009 as well. And... Um, that was one where I turned at the end of the game. It was just I was on my own. I got a ticket on my own. Somebody else on his own. Just two strangers. Who are you going to hug? We just hugged each other as well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where this man is now. Like, but uh, but yeah, it's those kind of memories as well. But the idea of kind of being in form and as a captain, like, did you often kind of think as like this is I'm going to rally the troops here. I'm going to be the guy who steps up and make the big moments. Or I think you always think that. I, I thought well, I I'll think back to. When we lost in Lons in '99, I thought I was going to be the difference that yeah. night. I was like, "Oh, it's grand! Get us some ball, or you know what? I just it'll just give me five minutes, give me ten minutes. I'll, I'll get it done here." Yeah. It didn't happen, but I think that comes with backing yourself and believing yourself a bit, a bit like um, you know the whole point of being here of of Guinness backing belief. And I'm I do believe that Ireland have a great opportunity in this World Cup. I'm. I'm I'm not just paying lip service to it, they really do. But you've got to believe in yourself as well. And I know that those players believe what they're capable of doing. Um, and, um, and I definitely felt belief in myself. There were times that you, you know, you, there's question marks around yourself mm. and confidence takes a, a dint. But for the most part, I, I had big belief in my own ability and the teams that I was involved in. And thankfully, you know, some good times came as a result of both. Yeah, yeah. The, the idea of um, of, the, of the captain kind of leading from the front as well. I remember chatting to Peter O'Mahony there a couple of months ago, and he was saying he never kind of really sought out captaincy. He was kind of going just probably one of the better players when I was growing up as well. Again, then I just got the captaincy, and then that was with me all the way through. 
Um, was that something similar for you? Did you ever captain when you were like younger, going up to the, in schools or anything? Or no, I captained UCD under twenties once, um, Clontarf under nines, Gaelic football team once. That would have been about the extent of it, and. Um, and I never saw myself as captaincy material, but similar to Pete, you know, I, I suppose someone saw something else in me and, and leadership is absolutely what you do rather than what you say first and foremost. Um, and, and, you know, we talked about respect. That's how you get respect is by doing, not saying. And I, um, you know, I look at people that I think are great leaders. They don't have to be the world's greatest orators, but they're great leaders because of the way they play or the attitude they have or the way they train or the, how they live their life. For me, that's great leadership. Mm. Um, and captaincy can be quite simplistic. Uh, for me, it was always trying to be the best player in the pitch, um, be it training or in games. Mm. Try and be the best player and inspire others by your performance. And I think there's nothing quite can match that. You could be... Um, you know, Martin Luther King with the, with the world's greatest speeches, but yet if you don't deliver or back your convictions with, what, with your actions, you know, mm. you, um, you know you'll, you'll ultimately disappoint from a leadership perspective. And you spoke about Keith Wood and, and he had the captaincy as well. Was he a guy who, when you used to play it on the pitch, would just, he would make a big play that would just be inspirational to kind of be out there as well? A perfect example of someone who'd maybe do a little bit of both, actually, because I've seen some of those Lions videos of him as well. Yeah, like I, I think Woody was a, a great person to come in and, and learn a lot from. And, and I was the one that, that was given the captaincy off after, after mm. Woody when I never would have envisaged it. But yeah, yet, I suppose I was trying to be as much of a sponge as possible and understand what I thought was great captaincy and how I would change something or modify it. And I think that's what you do as a captain. You, you're almost, um, you know, you're almost plagiarizing different aspects of the different captains that you have been mm. under and then amalgamating them all into your style. And that's, I suppose everyone does a bit of that. It's yeah, like, yeah. how did I captain exactly like someone that I thought was very good? We, you know, take all the aspects you think they're really good, but you know, dispel the bits that maybe weren't for you, and and pull those aspects in from somebody else's style of captaincy. And I think that's what you'd attempt to do. And um, yeah, it's it's. I think you're constantly evolving in your leadership role as well, because experience comes along, and you have a bit of know-how and and understanding how not to fall at a, at a hurdle a second time. And, and is there somebody else, as you said, you took bits from everybody else, maybe from an early stage, or even as, as back again to schools days, or yeah, an yeah. early captain? Or yeah, definitely, sort of, Kieran, yeah. yeah my, my, one of my good pals who was a captain in, um, in school, uh, Kieran Scally, who I, I would have looked. Mm. And again, it wasn't about, about how he spoke, but the aggression with which he played the game and the intensity, and he, he frightened people um, at, at underage level. And I remember thinking... I've been a little bit afraid of seeing those the big brown eyes when they were pumped up, um, but um, but thinking that you know there's no backward step being taken, and I think that in itself is an aspect of leadership. He's a, a shame that his career didn't really kick on or last as long as it was supposed to. He was a good player, wasn't he, back in the day? Great player, great player. Banded playing off twenty as well. I was um, <laughs> away playing golf with him this weekend. Oh really? So, yeah. yeah. So. Don't don't play him for money, money off twenty. <laughs> and uh, we're speaking about the way, and this kind of ties in with the, the Guinness back in belief as well, and um, playing a bit of golf. But you caught probably the game at the weekend, and feel a little bit better, like the nation probably does after watching that game at the weekend. Uh, yeah, like I, I think you look at it slightly differently when you when you're watching it, knowing the score. Um, but I thought it was a 
good performance, uh, particularly the second half. I think they really ramped it up and, mm. and they controlled it well. Um, and yeah, I think what was most important was the ability to go through the gears and, um, and, and have that change up and bring that physicality. And I think some big performances from, from some really key individuals. Good to see Conor Murray back. Um, Rob Carney was very effective mm. again. James Ryan is going to be such a huge player for Ireland over the next decade if he can stay injury free. So um, to have those players really humming, I think, is, is important. And um, you can be sure that those players believe. Mm. They absolutely believe that they can win it. And I think now's the time for the country to weigh in behind and show their belief as well. Because as a player, there is no doubt you can, you can sense it. You can sense it from the public, be it through social media, be it through conversations with loved ones at home um, through seeing it in the stands that if a, if your team gets or your fans get behind you and genuinely believe it it can be that added incentive to go you know battle it a, a yard more or you know give more a greater impact or carry harder those small things can be the difference between winning and losing at the highest level and you mentioned them there as well someone like James Ryan who we're all hoping is going to be a, you know have a great World Cup as well after the World Cup do you reckon captaincy for him, would it be too soon maybe, or just throw it on his shoulders and see how he gets on? I, I don't know. I, I, and like, he seems like a very level-headed guy. Um, but obviously with Rory hanging up his boots um, after the World Cup, you know, they're going to be looking for someone. You could do worse than thinking long-term, even though he's a young guy, he's clearly got the respect and one of the best players. You could do worse than going to your, one of your best players as, as a leader. Um, you know, particularly the way he, he does carry himself. So he'll definitely be in the conversation, that's for sure. And then the last one for me is, I, I've seen the survey that they were putting around with this, uh, uh, the Guinness had, had uh, commissioned and 58% of the people in the country believe that we can win. I wonder if, how much of that is contingent on this first game, if we can get over it then and it might lift up a little bit, it might hit the high 60s. Yeah, I, listen, I think um, that for me, 58% is glass half full, you know. And it's, yeah. Um, I, and I'm with them, I, I genuinely do, but of course, you know, you, you'd, you'd see a drop off if they didn't um, start winning ways, but I think they will, and um, I think those numbers will, will climb the further Ireland go in the group stages and the, and the momentum they get from that. And um, I think the, you know, the quarterfinal that we've got is gonna, we're, we're gonna have to do it the hard way, but you know, we've beaten both of these sides in the, in the last couple of years, so there's no reason to fear them. Um, so I, I'm very positive that we can get to our first semi-final and do you know what, let's, let's leave it there because all bets are off when you get to a semi-final. Perfect, listen, cheers for that, Brian. Good luck and enjoy cheers. the World Cup. I, I say, you might be missing a bit of golf now to hopefully getting over there then for a I bit. Am. No, I'm, well, everything from studio before the quarterfinals on, so yeah. Um, Make plans golf after will have, Yeah, golf clubs will have to be parked for a while. Perfect, cheers, Brian. Thanks, that's cheers, Brian. You're listening to Baz and Andrew's House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Rory, uh, we're here a couple of days before you, or you jet off to, to Japan, and you were saying you'll, you'll get home and then last bit of family time before you, you're yeah. on the road then for a while. Yeah, get home and get a, a couple of nights at home and I'm supposed to do the normal thing, a bit of a school pick up and drop yeah. off and pack the bags, and then that's Wednesday morning where we fly out. And who's looking after the... Is there any kind of put the bins out type of jobs you have on a Wednesday or a Tuesday uh, night? Or? No, thankfully our bins are Friday. So <laughs> as for most of the summer, I get to avoid that as well. So <laughs> yeah, and it'll just be a few bits and pieces. It'll be nice where, 
yeah, just nice to get up and have a last look at the cattle and it's mainly to see the to see the family and you tidy up bits and pieces. Yeah. But in fairness to Jody, she's well used to doing it now. So all the little jobs that, that I used to think were mine are now kind of that you think that they, they can't possibly survive when you're not there. <laughs> they all seem to get done pretty well. Yeah, yeah. And then so Jody is kind of she'll she's looking after everything and, and is she drafting any help then or um, not really. We're we're incredibly lucky in that both um, my family and, and her family are kind of ten minutes either side. Stuff, yeah. We're kinda of in the middle of it and, and they all sort of help out whenever they can. But like I say, you know, it's been Jody's been a, a single parent almost for so <laughs> long now that I think I nearly get in the way at times when I'm at home. I certainly at bedtime I get them a lot more hyper yeah. whenever I'm there than, than whenever it's just Jody on her own. Um, yeah, I used to be that. Until I became a father myself, I was the uncle who'd come over and get everybody yeah. razzed up and then just see you later and yeah. head off. Like, um, how special was it? I was even looking at some of those photos, I think that info and sports files hook at the weekend of um, the guys going through the little tunnel that all the players had made. How special were them, um, that, that those kind of few minutes you had on the pitch at the end of the game there at the weekend? Uh, yeah, look, it's been great. Um, I think when, when we first sort of got married and thought we'd, we'd have kids reasonably young, it was kind of because we thought we'd like the eldest to, to have some sort of involvement and, and see a bit of the rugby that, that I was involved in. Probably not thinking that he'd remember very much of it because I didn't think it would get to, to mm. 37 and still be playing and, and Ben would be nine running around the pitch. And you know the, and you just see the difference in when he first started going to the games to the height he's got to now. You know, he's actually, he's not just going to be involved in photos of, of he's going to have vivid memories of of being on the pitch and being in around the changing rooms and, and Penny now is seven so she's probably a little bit less but you know she's going to have good memories mm. of it whereas Rich she's probably going to be more the the pictures you know of him coming mm. down the tunnel but uh, families and has always been incredibly important and special to me and and for them to be involved and I think with the the way the reception was at the end um with the noise when I when I come off the pitch and you know, the atmosphere during the interview, you know, they, you know, that'll be things that they can look back on and, you know, if they maybe don't understand the amount of rugby they played, etc., you know, they'll be able to look back and go, well, he must have done something well if, yeah. if that was the reception he got on his last ever home game representing his country. And did you, you kind of held it together a little bit, but tears in the eyes anyway during the interviews? And... Uh, well, certainly whenever the, the crowd went, and to, to be honest with how many people had stayed around afterwards yeah, and, yeah. and how long that chair went on for, you know, I was trying to start the answer, but I couldn't. And, and look, that, I think you'd need to be made of stone not for that to affect you in some shape or form. And look, it, it has, and uh, it, it wasn't the same emotional up and down that I probably had last year with you know, the Ulster home game, then the, the last game, and the Ireland last home Six Nations, then into Wales. You know, when you're trying to turn it around in a week and you emotionally invest so much, experience sort of taught me that, like, allow whatever happens afterwards to happen emotionally, but your game and your preparation doesn't need to be based around being emotional. You know, it's about what you've always done, prepare well, give yourself confidence that, that you can perform. Mm -hmm. And then that'll that'll help the performance of you and the team. And um, I felt a lot more comfortable doing that. And that's probably why afterwards it probably was a little bit more emotional because that yeah. was finally the first time you got to take a breath and go, "Whoa! So this is the, this is the last time that I'm gonna be gonna be standing in this pitch in a green jersey, shorts and socks, having mm. played a game." And and um, 
Brian's kind of uh, floating around here now today as well, and I always remember that was it the big thank you, Brian, mm-hmm. things that dropped. Were Specsavers thinking about bringing a blimp over the Aviva <laughs> or anything like that? So thanks to you. Or? No, <laughs> thankfully not. Nah, I, you know, it was a wee bit strange. So once all the sort of the interview was done, and you know, through the tunnel and the the thanking everyone in the stadium was kind of right. Okay, can we can we now go in? You know, this yeah. has sort of been dragged out long <laughs> enough, and. It's a funny one, this sort of long goodbye is just, it's so bizarre, you know, to be, to, you know, the last time doing this, the last time doing that. It's finally come that that was the last ever game on on home soil. And I can look, you know what, I'll get, very quickly turn the page to the World Cup and eventually I'll look back on, on, on a career that I've enjoyed immensely. And, and look, I'm immensely proud of what's happened. But because we have a little thing like a World Cup coming up, like I'll, there's plenty of time for reflection later. I, I saw there um, Australia beat England in the, to win the Ashes there yesterday, and Tim Payne, the Australian captain, got stopped. But he must have to do around seven or eight interviews uh-huh. afterwards. And I was kind of thinking, being a captain must be great, but must be also a bit of a pain sometimes where like, that guy probably just wanted to have a beer or something. <laughs> and you have to go through an hour of media duties. Like, you must have the same kind of experience every now and then yourself. Uh, like, yeah, you have to do it, and that sort of it's, and that is part of the, the thing with the captaincy is trying to balance it and not letting it affect your preparation. And you know, there's a lot of things that you can get dragged left, right, and centre to do, but it's to to get that done and do it at the best you can. But then to very quickly go right, well, what do I need to do? What's the the selfish side of me need to do to make mm. sure that I'm ready? Because ultimately, the best thing you can do as a captain is is perform within the team, and you know that is. You know, there's very few of us who are born with the ability to inspire solely with our words. You know, it's it's actions and you know maybe a little bit of words as well. Um, so look, that's that's the big thing, and um, like it also, you know that that's part of it. But you also, in fairness to the to the media guys at Ireland and and the squad, is that that's shared out quite a bit, mm. um, and it's it's a good it's a good balancing act that they do. Yeah, because <coughs> Trimby was talking about that. We did we did a show yesterday, and he was saying. Uh, Talk about the, there's a vote for like a leadership group or the leaders in the group as well, and uh, it's kind of I'd never heard it like you you heard about leadership groups, but I didn't know it was as official as that. But yeah, um, yeah, what does that involve? Is, is there any campaigning going on? Or? <laughs> Trimby and Tommy Bow used to campaign whenever <laughs> whenever we, we were all at Ulster, they were trying to. Um, it was like Trimby, I think it was Trimby or Tommy, I can't remember which one of them put themselves forward, and the other one was the campaign manager. They were it was like Tommy for captain. Not, Needless to say, that ran out of steam pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, there's there's nothing really there. It's just we kind of talk as a group, and Joe kind of sets out, you know, what he sees as you know what are our, our important values as a team, and then just ask the question, you know, who is the man or the the people that um, when you say this word or this word that that spring to mind, and then mm-hmm. you write it down, and you maybe put anywhere between one, two to four players on a list, and then he collects them in, counts them up, and that's where he picks his leadership group from, you know, the guys that voted. Um, it was the same as whenever Paulie retired. The kind of was that was the, the vote that was done sort of for captain. And mm. um, look at this, it's 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 nice endorsement, um, not just from him, because like ultimately Joe, you know Joe, he's, a, he's his own man and, mm. you know, he can manipulate things you know he's not going to let something happen that that he doesn't want to happen but at yeah. the same time 
to get the endorsement from him and then to get the endorsement from your peers is it's a it's a nice place to be and it gives you a little bit of confidence um like that confidence obviously ebbs and flows a bit as you go along but yeah, yeah. um i think i've been incredibly privileged to have worked alongside joe as, as coach and captain relationship but also with the leadership group that you're talking about when you look at the sort of the characters that are in there and their their sheer will to win and will to be to want to be the best like obviously pete and johnny are the two that stand out mm. as sort of the vice captains but you know when you get guys like like earl z and, and cj in there you know guys that are and now more recently like james ryan and gary ringrose and, and these guys that are coming in that and everyone in their own way adds a mass amount of value to that leadership and, and ultimately that then helps to drive everyone forward and can you remember that t- talk at, like with joe then uh, you know when paul um, finished up after world cup like was there ever even the talk of like 2019 world cup to just look down that far down the line or was no he yeah. he basically had said that he goes it was january then of what would have been 2016 um and he he went look he goes i'm not sure where this is going to end up mm. um because obviously the world cup's a bit away but he goes look we we want you to be we want you to be captain you sort of come out on top in the votes and you know it's uh uh as long as you're he goes as long as you're happy to do it um you know we'd love you to be captain and he said look we'll like we do and that's what was the start you know we said look well let's get through this six nations in the summer tour and then we sit down in the summer and because of my age at the time he sort of said look we'll we'll do that in the summer maybe do it the next summer but it kind of we did it once in the summer and then we never really mentioned it again i kind of went to him and said look do we need to sit down and talk about this he went no i don't see any reason why we mm. need to he goes it i don't see that you're looking to to finish up anytime soon and you know as far as i'm concerned you're the captain until one or both of us need to have a conversation about it and, and then he's even because i know at the time after the the england game over in twickenham there was it was the first, like it, it was an open question. Let's say it might have been asked a couple of times, and he spoke and said, "You know, there's no decisions made, and we all know this before the squad was announced." But, um, you know, was that a time for you? Would you have been kind of a little bit worried yourself, or I think you're always or? worried. I think that that anyone that is from the outside, you know, thinking that people don't ever worry about their position within a squad, or that you know they don't know either what it's like to be in there or. I think they underestimate just how like some of your best players that I've played with are some of the most, I wouldn't say insecure, because they're very comfortable with what they can produce, mm. but they're also very self-assured as to what that best looks like and, and when they're not at it. And it's that fear factor that sometimes drives you on to be better. It's that knowing that someone could take your spot that makes you do an extra 10 minutes. And maybe it's 10 minutes more than the guy trying to take your spot is, or maybe mm. it's just the same amount of time as he's doing. but. You know that's the stuff that drives you on to be the best, and they, and that this year was no different. You know, starting pre-season, there was four hookers there, and I knew Joe wasn't going to take four hookers to the World Cup, so I knew someone wasn't wasn't yeah. going to go. And and part of your motivation is to make sure that's not you. Um, and that is the same for everyone. I think when you start to get too comfortable in there and I know certainly myself if I start to get too comfortable that's when you start to cut a few corners and that's when everything suffers and mm. it's probably happened to me many years ago and I think if you can't learn from that experience then you kind of you know everyone talks about experience being a great thing but if you don't learn 
using your experience then it's pointless yeah yeah because it's not like a lot of people might think it was preordained as well but like i was even looking back at it and you have like Rickard Strauss, uh, James Tracy, Rob, Niles Scannell, Sean Cronin. They've all been given goes as well. Like so, it's I suppose in a way Joe must be going back to you for a reason as well. Like so, it must give you a bit of confidence then as well. Yeah, it does. Like and I, and I think that ultimately Joe is is the best coach I ever worked with. Like he's he's one of the best coaches about, and for him to have that confidence in you and look, I think the the great thing Joe's been great for my game because it's about the mix you know it's about having supreme power athletes but also knowing that the importance of of the stuff that i do you know the stuff that maybe isn't seen as much that he puts as much weight on that as the guy like the guy that scores the try in the corner he gives the compliments as much to him for finishing it as he does for the guy that maybe had three rucks mm. in the build up to that to allow him to score um and that that's obviously very important for me and, and like that's when you look at the players that he puts He's put a lot of stock in over his time with Ireland, especially ones that, that maybe some people can't figure it out. It's because of that he can trust them. Mm -hmm. And he knows they're smart rugby players. And he knows that when push comes to shove and the pressure comes on, that they will deliver um, more often than not. And, and they have done in the past. You know, I think when he first came in, there was a, a big reliance on the Leinster ones because yeah. Joe coaches and he coaches on trust. And he had obviously built up a relationship with Leinster players. So there were players getting in because, you know, he trusted them and, and he's built up that trust with other players. And yeah, look, I've really enjoyed my time with him. And then the, the um, I suppose, you, I think it was the, when Devon missed out on the squad there last week and it's been confirmed today, you know, so that's, it's unchanged from last week. But um, I think somebody pulled out that it was only eight of the 22 lads that were involved in the 2016 win over New Zealand we're heading to the World Cup. It's kind of mad to think how it can move on that quickly, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it does. And, and that's sort of when you look at the squad now and you look at the, the age profile and, and I look at players that I played a lot of caps with that aren't there anymore. And, you know, look, it just, I suppose time stops for nobody. And, and that is why, like even, we talked about Saturday and the motion of it and how great it was, but it was very quickly, right? Well, now we're getting ready to go to World Cup. Mm. You all think about that at a later date. Same with the New Zealand and uh, the one in Chicago. We came home on the, the Monday and Monday night, we're looking at Canadian player profiles, yeah. you know, and like, it wasn't a three or four days of celebrations. It was, <laughs> yeah, well done, let's celebrate tonight. And then it was right, our next game's Canada. Let's get focused on that type thing. And, and that's just the way it is. And, and the turnover of players is, is big, but it just shows the work that the provinces are doing to create so much competition that we're not heavily reliant on 15 players or you know, even maybe four or five or six key players. You know, it is about a squad and that people need to step in because you know, when you're talking about, what do you say, eight from, from the 23, yeah, yeah. you know, that there's obviously a lot of players in the meantime have done a lot of good things to, to get themselves involved. And then, um, let's say in terms of being being the captain again, when you head to Japan, do you get a different itinerary then to the rest of the players? Do you get like, do you have to make appearances here and there? And um, there'll be a few, but the, generally the the World Cup, there'll be a, an official opening ceremony for us to go somewhere, and then just the media engagements are increased significantly, and the captain probably has a couple more of those to do mm. than everyone else. But at the same time, I think there's something like 15 media slots to be filled by players in a week and that'll be rotated around. So mm. yeah, as a player, you will expect to do media once every two weeks. As a captain, 
we're used to doing it every week anyway and mm. um, but you might have to do it twice in a week but you know and, and post-match etc but like that all sort of comes as as part and parcel of it um and there'll be probably be an official engagement somewhere where you need the captain there but by and large it'll be whatever players are maybe not playing or they also are very good at if an engagement happens to suit a certain player um like saying it was a, an, an agriculture engagement yes. you know that would be Bang. one perfect for me <laughs> yeah. you know if it was if it was a different sort of one that maybe suited Pete or Johnny or Earlsey or somebody like that or something that they had an interest in, they're really good at, at sending people to mm. that because, you know, it'll be of interest to them. But also you never know in terms of the future what it might be um, good for them. And the, um, I often think the, the prime gig, if you want to do a media gig, is sitting beside Joe on team announcement day because he gets all the questions, doesn't yeah. he? Like, yeah, just watching lads, Joe. Yeah. Lads put their hand up for that one. Like. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's not about the only The only problem with that is when you do get asked a question, you feel under a lot, a lot more pressure because he is there to hear exactly what yeah, you said. Yeah. He's not reflecting on it in the newspaper where you can say, oh, no, 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 I was misquoted. He's heard what you said. So there is a little bit more pressure in that, but no, some of those ones are quite nice just to just to spectate Joe. And have you ever been up there with him? Because I know often they used to say someone like Jose Mourinho would speak through the media to his players. Have you ever been up there with him when you hear him saying something and you know that's a message for us, that's a message um, for me? Not so much, because I think with the way Joe is, he, he is very, he's very upfront about what he wants and expects from us. So, you know, you'll hear some of the things being said that is a little bit of a reflection of, of either what he said or how he set the week up for us mm-hmm. um, but no by and large he is very much if he wants you to know something he'll tell you yeah yeah i was looking back on um i remember chatting to you after the wales game 2011 in japan in sorry new zealand at the world yeah. cup and there was a good quote from you at the time where you were saying listen we didn't crow about it like we did in 2007 but we felt very confident yeah about that as well what's the just being like you know, 2007. You've, this is you're going to be your fourth World Cup. What's the mindset now this time going into it? Is it again trying to kind of quiet confidence or? I think there's there's a little bit more confidence than there was a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, mm. as as you get from from better performances and better results. Um, but yeah, look, we we are in a place where we know we have a lot of room to improve, and we know we're capable of a lot of improvement. But we're also have shown a sort of an element of our game that, that we're reasonably happy with in terms of the energy that we've shown. Because the rugby's not going to be perfect, but mm. can you adapt? We didn't adapt very well in Twickenham, but we did in the previous two games. Um, so look, I think the beauty of the Twickenham game is that people keep going back to that and writing us off. Um, but we're, look, all that really matters to us is, is where we feel at the minute and, and how much we can improve. And, and that's what we'll be going on. I think what is unique about this World Cup is the fact that we start off against the highest ranked or the second highest ranked team in our pool. Mm. You know, normally we've, like in 07, we had um, Georgia then and maybe to sort of supposedly build into the bigger games. Um, Australia, we started off against the US before we played Australia, or in New Zealand, we started off against the US before we played Australia. And then the last time we started off with, you know, with Canada, then Romania, then Italy, then France, and that was supposed to be us ramping into it. So this is a a slightly different Mm -hmm. um, experience for us. So it means that we're going to have to get off to a big start. Um, And I think with the Wales game at the weekend, it gave us the confidence that there is a big start in us. We just need to get it out now. But look, we have a lot of belief in our ability. We have a lot of belief in what the coaches are doing. So we got now make sure that we get a way to bring that out 
in our own way and, and how we want to frame it and that we don't go back to the sort of performance we had even in the Six Nations but more so Twickenham. The last rugby question I was going to ask you was do you still remember the name of the first person you battled for your jersey with? Um, I, the first person I battled with was Shane Byrne yeah. in, uh, in Ireland uh, and obviously you're sort of, uh, I think it was Frankie Sheehan got injured uh, which allowed sort of Jerry to get a, a rattle at Munster and me to get a go at Ireland and then Obviously, when um, Shane Byrne didn't play in the Six Nations, it then became Jerry and I for a good few years going toe to toe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think Jerry, he'd be, he'd be cheering on like the rest of it anyway. But the thing I was going to say to you there was uh, you're, you're here um, for Specsavers today and, and kind of fighting the good fight for them, aren't you? Yeah, it's something that I sort of got paranoid a little bit. <laughs> I go about, you know, when there's background noise, I sort of felt I couldn't really hear, you know, when you're out, set a function or something like that, and I sort of went, well, I don't want my hearing to be an issue, um, and, you know, it, I don't want it to ultimately affect my job, and so I went and I got to check it out, and, and it was fine, and that, and that gave me a bit of confidence, but when I was in sort of talking to them, they were telling me about this, this suffering silence campaign, and how there's a, a stigma around going to get your hearing checked, and that not enough people do um, and a little bit is around the hearing devices you know people have this perception of a big lump of, uh, of a machine in your pocket and an, mm. almost like an antenna coming out of your ear and whenever they showed me you know how small they are that you would literally would not notice them in your ear um, it is just I feel that it's really important that that even if you're even if you're reasonably young that you still you shouldn't assume that this is something associated with people that are 60 70 years of age that get a part of your everyone is very health conscious now get a part of your your yearly health check mm. make sure your hearing is good because we talk a lot about mental health um and i think if you can't hear things or you feel awkward or uncomfortable in in crowded areas because of your hearing you're gonna sort of Sort of retire back a little bit more and and that's not very good for your mental health as well so look all of those things added up i thought it was a it was a great campaign to get involved in great stuff well, listen cheers for today and good luck now over japan as well thank you perfect cheers, cheers thank you you were listening to baz and andrew's house of rugby on joe together with guinness drink responsibly visit drinkaware.ie for the facts